At Women Offshore, we have a vision. It's a maritime community in which all individuals, regardless of gender, are empowered to pursue their career ambitions. We have a unique community of highly resilient people. Women Offshore's community spans all different genders and experiences and backgrounds, and it's important to us to be inclusive. We are a community centered on the lived experiences of women plus working on the water, and we are deeply committed to the principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion, both within our own community as well as within the broader industry. Our mission includes eliminating gender-based discrimination through an intersectional approach, and our membership includes women and members of marginalized gender identities and expressions. Today, you're going to hear from someone in our community who transitions, his pronouns are he and him, sits at an intersection of not just being a trans man, but also being a black man. I'm excited for you to get to know him and learn from his experience in the maritime industry. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Women Offshore is a part of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Thank you to OGGN for supporting this show. We would not be what we are today, having the reach that we do with these episodes without OGGN's support. Elijah Herman is a graduate of the California State Maritime Academy and spent some of his cadet sailing at Chevron and is now a third mate at Chevron as well. He's been with Chevron for the last couple of years, almost three years, in fact. I've known Elijah since, oh, I want to say early at Cal Maritime, maybe his sophomore year. And that was before he transitioned to get to learn about his experience and everything that he's gone through is, you know, it's a real honor to know him and that he doesn't mind sharing his stories and being an advocate for the LGBTQIA plus community. So I wanted you to learn from him as well. With all that said, I'd like to welcome Elijah to the Women Offshore podcast. Welcome, Elijah. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Ali. It is so great to be here. I am so excited for us to finally have the opportunity to record and get together. I am excited as well. I have so many questions for you to learn more about your career, your challenges, and your lessons learned. I know that you have a lot to share. So let's get started. How about a sea story? Do you have a memorable sea story you can share with us? Yes, of course. Every sailor has a good sea story. So mine was probably my senior cruise. I went to Cal Maritime and graduated in 2019. And by that time, you know, by your senior year, you really get to develop. And I mean, you just have this excellent friend group, right? And so we were lucky enough to go to the Pacific Islands. So we went to Saipan, Samoa, Hawaii, some other places. and we just had the best time. And I think for me, 
the most exciting part about it was just that it felt like an entirely other world. There's so much adventure to be had and so many fun experiences that I was able to share with my friends. I remember in Saipan, my friends and I rented a car and we just drove around the whole island and we're a huge World War II history buff. And there was an abundance of opportunities to just visit some historical sites there. And I went on a wreck diving tour with some of my good friends and we just lived it up and had the time of our lives there. So that was definitely a highlight of my career, even though it was before you know, my actual deep sea career, just being with my friends and having the opportunity to share those experiences and go to some of the places that, you know, other people just don't have the opportunity to was for sure the highlight. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I love about sailing as a cadet is it really gives you a taste of what your career could be like, and then can often make people want more of that, right? So then you go into your career, you're like, oh, I'm going to go see the world. I'm going to see all this nature when I'm sailing across the ocean. I'm going to see so much. And I know that it's going to be hard, but at the same time, there's going to be all these things in my career path that I never would have gotten if I worked in an office somewhere. Absolutely. And I think it gives you the motivation to get through your senior year as well, because you know you have license exams coming up and you know interviews, you're applying to all these different jobs, you're not exactly sure what you want. But having that positive experience to look back on, you know, gave me the motivation to continue forward, just finish it out. But yeah, I mean, it was just, it was fantastic meeting, you know, some of the locals and just having the freedom to roam around these different islands and, you know, just do what we wanted and have fun and, you know, create that camaraderie. And it was fantastic. It was definitely actually one of the highlights of my life, I think. I think back to that experience, that summer experience, and I just think, wow, those were the best times of my life for sure. Awesome. That's great. I'm so glad to hear that. So I've known you for a little while now, and I think our audience should get to know you more. Can you talk about how you got started in the maritime industry? Sure. So when I was in high school, I knew that I wanted to pursue a career that would allow me to travel. I also knew I wanted to be really hands-on. I didn't want to spend college and at least the first part of my professional career behind a desk. I had way too much energy for that, and I still do. And so I was pursuing actually a military option. I had looked at the Air Force Academy and some other service academies. And because I was young for my grade in high school, you you have to start the application at the, at least when I was there, it was the end of my sophomore year. And so that would have been 16 years old. And I think it was an eight-year commitment for the service academy after graduation. And so I just wasn't sure if that was what I wanted to do. You know, it's a 10-year commitment from the time you submit the paperwork. And so, you know, I figured I'll pursue something else and then I'll have the opportunity to go reserves or, you know, join as an officer a little bit later after graduation. And so I selected the maritime industry and it's kind of a funny story. My mom was a police officer for a long time and I live in Tacoma, Washington, and she ended up taking a job as a port security officer kind of on the weekends and whatnot. And she started making the connections with the Puget Sound pilots and she gave a pilot a ride from a ship to his car one night and they just started talking about family and whatnot. And she'd mentioned me and said that, you know, I was looking for a career path and, you know, what did he think about the maritime industry? And he was a Cal Maritime graduate as well and was sharing his experience and background. And she called me right away. She's like, you should check this out. This is so cool. Awesome. And it was so, yeah, it was so funny because 
you know, I've lived on the water just about my whole life and I'd never given much thought to ships. I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, they're out right? there. They're slow, not super beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I mean, I'm from Seattle and I think I looked at Puget Sound almost every day of my life. And I never once thought as a child until like my dad started mentioning these different career paths that I could go work on a ship like that. Exactly. Exactly. It was never something I'd ever given any thought. Just because there's, you know, there's not much exposure to it. Most people don't know what it's like to sail on a ship or, you know, a lot of the ships nowadays, of course, are foreign flagged. And so you see a foreign flagged or on the back of the ship, but you just dismiss it, especially as an American. Good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's how I kind of got involved in it. And I started off in the industry on a few tugboats, harbor tugboats in Tacoma, and then up in Cherry Point, Anacortes, Washington. And then also I did some towing during the summer between my high school year and my first year at Cal Maritime to make sure that's really what I wanted to do. And that was with a local company and I really enjoyed my time there. So that's what solidified it for me. Yeah. So you graduated from Cal Maritime, you went into the industry. I bet between your time as a student and your industry experience, you have several challenges that you've had to overcome as, you know, this is a challenging industry in general. Do you want to share what that looks like for you and what advice you have for others? Sure. So I'll rewind a little bit and talk about high school. So I'm transgender to start out with. I transitioned from female to male, actually my last year at Cal Maritime, but I knew in high school there was a part of me that was missing, or at least a part of me that I needed to address. And I didn't have the vocabulary to put that into words. I didn't know what that looked like, but I just kind of felt something was off. I mean, I think that most trans or gender nonconforming people will agree with me. It's a difficult feeling to put into words. And so, you know, while I was at Cal Maritime, I kind of ignored it, <laughs> admittedly. And then finally, you know, gained the vocabulary and was able to put my thoughts to feelings and feelings to actions. And originally, I was planning on postponing my transition until after I graduated from Cal Maritime. Because it is a small industry, I think now I just counted. I work with, I think, anywhere from eight to 10 people that I went to school with at Cal Maritime. Deck and engine, of course, but that's a big, you know, it's a large amount of people it you know, is. To be on the same ships and whatnot. And so the industry is notoriously conservative and that's okay. But you know, there were definitely some concerns that I had about transitioning while I was at the academy. And it was a summer after my senior training cruise that I just, I had to be honest with myself. You know, I wasn't happy anymore. I mean, I think it was just time for me to take action personally. And then I started to think about the timeline and it could take a while for physical characteristics to change and for the transition to take place. And so I figured, well, Maybe it is the best time to do it. You know, I'm surrounded by a group of people who have known me for the last three years. You know, they know my work ethic. They know who I am as a person. And, you know, when I went to Cal Maritime, I had a really great experience. I transitioned the beginning of my senior year, and I can honestly say that I didn't have any issues at all. You know, I was pulled into offices left and right, and people were telling me, you know, if you need anything from me, if there's anything I can do to support you, like, please let me know. I'm so proud of you. And so I really did have a positive experience. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but I only have good things to say. And there were learning curves on everybody's behalf, but... Oh, I bet. But I'm yeah. glad that you had a positive experience. Me too. Yeah. And to be honest, I was a little surprised, but 
that positive experience has kind of continued into my professional career as well. And so after graduation, I started sailing with Chevron and I'm a deck officer with them. And I completed my cadet cruise with them uh, while I was at Cal Maritime as well. So a lot of people knew me when I finally joined, it's like an AB third mate. And so it was funny because they're like, oh, God, you look so familiar, but <laughs> I can't put a name to the face. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But overall, I was you know, received with open arms. And so, yeah, I've enjoyed my time at Chevron so far. I have had some challenges there, but nothing that has been too great. Yeah. So what advice do you have for others, especially those that want to transition in the maritime industry? Could you share anything that you learned that maybe could help them? Yeah, absolutely. For me, first and foremost, was a concern for my health and my well-being, right? I think that a good piece of advice would be if you're at the same stage that I was at, you know, where I was you know, just finishing my academic career and getting ready to go deep sea is where am I going to have the most support? And my transition for me was really challenging. You know, there was a four to six month period where things just didn't feel right. And it's funny because, you know, you're going through puberty and menopause all at the same time. (laughs) You know, there can be serious challenges. And, you know, thankfully, I had a good support system at home and at school and medically, but it isn't as easy as you think it will be, at least for me. And maybe some people have other experiences, but I'm glad that I did it when I wasn't at sea, you know, I think to have graduated and then started my first trip and go through all these medical and physical changes would have been a real challenge. And so that would be kind of the first piece of advice is, you know, if you need to take that time off to do what you need to do for yourself, to be happy, to feel good, do it. If it's worth it, it'll pay dividends. And going back to the challenges, I will talk about a situation at work that I had to address and revolves around a colleague who is basically talking negatively behind my back. So that was a challenge because that was never something I had thought would happen because I'd had such positive experiences before and throughout my transition. And they were talking specifically about like your transition or? I think just me as a person. Yeah. And it was a side comment basically, but it was brought to my attention after they left the ship, actually. So I was on good terms with them, you know, with this guy the whole time. And I didn't find out until after that, I guess he had felt some sort of animosity towards me. Mm, So kind of two-faced. Exactly, exactly. And so that made it a little bit more difficult. And I think the most challenging part about it for me was not that someone was talking negatively about me, but the fact that I was so new in the industry at the time, and I felt like I had to stand up for myself. And there's this big conflict that I had, inner conflict that I had between, okay, yes, people will always say negative things. People will always have something to say about you, no matter who you are, no matter what experiences you have, whether you're trans or straight or gay or, you know, belong to the LGBT community, race, whatever it may be, people always have something to say. And so, yes, especially in this industry. Exactly. A woman, whatever it may be. And so, yeah. There's this big part of me that was like, okay, just let it go. Right. Just, you know, have maybe not, I wasn't telling myself, grow a backbone, but there's this big, I had a lot of, what's the best way to say, inner conflict about whether I should just let it go, you know, take a deep breath and let it go. Yeah. I can imagine that, you know, like, and I see that on a limited, like in a limited perspective of being a woman and being told that, hey, this is a 
male dominated industry, you just got to suck it up and deal with it. Right. And choose your battles and figure out where your boundaries are. And if they cross those boundaries, then you speak up. But most of the stuff you're not going to be able to change. So just deal with it. Yeah. And so it was this huge, I was so conflicted about it. You know, do I just let it go? Right. In my shoes now, I'm like, all right, this guy said one comment. He's off the ship. I don't have to work with him anymore. But at the same time, it's like, okay, this is who I am. I'm not changing. I'm here to stay. And, you know, I deserve a seat at the table. Absolutely. I don't talk negatively about people behind their backs. And, you know, I was also very new. I felt like, you know, your reputation is everything in the maritime industry, especially when you work with people you've gone to school with, people who have gone to school with your parents, people who have gone to school with your siblings. Everybody knows everybody. And I wasn't sure whether I should just let it go or whether I should stand up for myself and say, you know, this isn't right and and take some action. That's interesting because... If he said it in front of other people right. and they didn't speak up, you know, you need to s- squash that because they should at least be defending you or telling that person like, hey, don't say that stuff or reporting it if necessary, right? Like you don't want these things to slide and then other people feel that it's comfortable to say that kind of stuff too. Right. And you know, the person he said it in front of was actually one of my good friends, which is really funny because in my mind the whole time I'm thinking, if you like if you had any sense of, you know, the type of person I am, like I love my colleagues. I love the people I work with. And, you know, they're my work family for a reason. You know, I think during COVID or the year surrounding it, you know, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, I spent more time at sea than I did at home. And especially with some of my coworkers, you know, I spent more time with a lot of my ABs than I did with my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so you learn to have these really important like work families in a way or little communities. And anyways, so the person he said it in front of was one of my good buddies brought it up to me after the fact and said, you know, you should be aware that this was said. I almost didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. So he was definitely sensitive to the fact that he knew it would affect me, you know, but you should be aware of this. And at first when I found out, I was like, okay, whatever. And then, you know, it is what it is. And as I started to continue with my trip, it affected me more and more. And I hadn't realized it until I got word that he was going to come back on the ship. And that was, at that time, I figured, okay, it's time to take action because I'm letting this comment affect me way too much. Yeah. And I imagine you might be worried for your safety too. And what else is this person going to say or do? Right. And, you know, Chevron has been fantastic with my transition and, you know, just the quality of people there. I wasn't necessarily worried for my personal safety, but I think professional safety, absolutely. You know, he had been there, he was a senior officer, not a senior officer, but, you know, more senior than me. He'd be been there a lot longer than I had. And so you never know what type of relationships he has with, other people versus the relationships I have and mm-hmm. who will take whose word on what happened or what was said. And so that was my primary concern. It's just my safety career-wise. And so I ended up bringing it up with the captain and the chief engineer and a report was filed basically. And he doesn't work at the company for a variety of other reasons now. I don't know the specifics, but I know he's not employed by the company anymore. But you know, Chevron did an excellent job of basically, you know, saying that, yeah, we support you. You know, you're here, you're a valuable member of the team. Things like this shouldn't be said. They shouldn't be swept under the rug. You did the right thing, right? Like hearing that I did the right thing 
made the difference because I was so worried about, uh, you know, maybe I'm being too sensitive or maybe I need to grow a backbone or maybe this is just what it's like. And so Mm -hmm. saying, no, this stops with me. And then hearing that other people, you know, were proud of my decision. Good. That meant the world. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. You should be supported to speak up and report and and not just let things slide. So that's that's really good to hear. Yeah. What a great outcome. It was a great outcome. Yeah, it really was a great outcome. And I'm really happy with the way it was handled. And you know, I think it was a learning opportunity for everybody, myself included. So I think that would kind of be my piece of advice. You know, don't let small things, you know, get in your way of personal and professional growth, right? Like, yeah, they might be side comments, they might be offhand. You know, people will always say things, no matter which industry you're in. But, you know, having the courage to speak up and say, yeah, no, this isn't right. This stops with me. will only help other people in the future, too. And that was my thinking as well as what's going to happen to the next person who comes on the ship, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's a really good point. Protecting that culture so that if there's another person in your community who comes on board, they can be safe and whether it's personal or professional safety. Right, right. You know, you're protecting that. So that's really good. I appreciate you sharing that. So many people, even myself, at times in my career are afraid of reporting. But one of the big lessons learned for me was that people in positions of authority can't do anything unless they know. Right, absolutely. So if things get hidden on board, swept under the rug, nothing's going to change. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, too, being a new crew member and young, right, you have to set that professional and personal boundary. And I had to have a lot of conversations with myself. What am I willing to put up with? You know, what are my boundaries? And that wasn't a conversation that I was expecting to have so early on in my career. And I don't think anybody is prepared to have that because everyone's situation will be different. But having the confidence to say, yeah, you know what, I didn't like what that person said. And at least having the ability to confront them about it. I didn't have that ability because he was gone. But, you know, you need to stand up for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even when you're kind of at the bottom of the org chart, right? As you were. Especially. Mm -hmm. Especially. So, Elijah, if you had a magic wand, how would you make the industry more inclusive? That is such a good question. How would I make the industry more inclusive? I think, now this is a magic wand, right? Yeah. Okay. It it doesn't necessarily have to be logical or achievable. (laughs) This isn't a smart goal, right? Where it needs to be timely and realistic. But what's a missing piece that if we could fix it, you know, snap of the finger, wave that magic wand, however you want to use your magic powers, what would you change? I would make people in general just more understanding. And I think that goes for both sides of the story, right? I feel like, yeah, yes, absolutely. And to start out with, I think, you know, leaders need to be more understanding that people who are, you know, women or transgender, part of the LGBT community, minorities in general, right, will always have these struggles, period. And people who aren't minorities will also have these struggles, period. And so creating an environment where anybody can discuss what's going on at any time, like just a total open door policy, 
is going to, I think, increase the amount of action being taken to end this kind of toxic environment, like twofold. And so when I say understanding, I think in general, like just learning and knowledge and just being aware of others, right? I think that there are so many struggles that kind of are hidden. You know, when people are at sea, like they still have a lot going on. Like people have an entire home life that they have to manage. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think inclusivity just starts with understanding and, and teaching and learning and knowledge. And, you know, I've had to kind of take on that role as a teacher when I'm on the ship. And, you know, I'm very open about my transition. I'm very open about being trans. And I know that not all people are. Not all people want to take on the role where they're actively teaching about the community. Yeah, because it's not your obligation either. Right, right. Again, I've had to do some deep thinking and say, all right, when do I have the mental energy and the capacity outside of tackling my work responsibilities, outside of my personal life, my home life, while at work, to have these conversations with people? Because not everybody is super knowledgeable (laughs) about what to say and what not to say. And there needs to be an understanding, I think, that people who are not necessarily ill-intentioning or ill-meaning will say things they don't mean. And as a minority, I don't feel like I can just turn my back and say, well, you know, this person said X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to engage with them or this is unhealthy or I'm going to report it just because they said something really well-meaning that came out totally wrong. So what I hear right now is you're also looking at intent. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think intent goes so far. And, you know, people are so, I think nowadays they're so caught up in what's being said in the media, right? They look at, you know, Caitlyn Jenner as the example of the trans community or there's so much, you know, left-wing, right-wing, conservative, liberal nowadays. And I feel like that that has really affected the community and people's assumptions. You know, it's affected people's assumptions, people's perspective of who I am or who other people are in the LGBTQ community, what we're like, right? I'm just a normal guy. I show up to work and I work hard. (laughs) But if I can start to change that dialogue and have open, honest conversations with people who don't have the resources or don't honestly, you know, have the intent of educating themselves on it, then all the better, right? Because I can be the person that they know in real life who is honest and a hard worker and is just a normal guy, right? Right. And so as hard as that may be, and as unfair as it can feel sometimes, I think it's important to realize that, you know, there can be a difference in intent. And that's something that I've had to learn as well. You're such a good advocate. And I appreciate that you take on this challenge, especially with how stressful your job already is. And you at the same time check that you can hold space for those conversations because I imagine they're quite difficult. It does bother me how fired up people get over the LGBTQIA community. And, you know, when we're talking about someone who's transitioned, It's a very small part of the population. Right. And people that are not open-minded, I guess you could say, seem to be very opinionated about 
others who maybe they've never met or they don't know have transitioned. It just amazes me because, again, we're talking about a very, very small group. For others in your community that I've spoken to, it, it has been very hard. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're totally right about that. It can be hard on a lot of levels. And I think as you know, any minority, we feel this pressure to, you know, we have to excel. Right? We have to work hard because we're there, but we have to work harder because we're transgender or because we're women or because we're proving yourself or because yep. we're it. yeah. And so we have to work hard and then we have to work harder to prove ourselves, but then also leave people with this good taste in their mouth, right? Like, oh yeah, he's transgender and a hard worker, right? Or she is a third mate and a good officer, right? There has to be this little extra, you know bit of energy that we have to give to our career just to be good representatives of whatever minority we're part of. And yeah, I really yeah. get that, you know, because I'm African American, I'm transgender, I'm the first person in my family to go to college. I always joke that I tick a lot of boxes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and that toll, I think, is called an emotional tax. Yeah, yeah. That you have to navigate on top of everything else you're doing in your life. Yeah, yeah. And I think the big lesson I've learned is just to take it with grace. I don't take myself too seriously. I laugh a lot. And it is what it is. You know, you can only be too serious about it. And I really do make an effort to not let it weigh me down. Because it's something that it's who I am, right? It'll follow me throughout my life. But I think it's how minorities, and this is in general, you know, minorities, race-wise, LGBTQIA, women, you know, how minorities, how we can progress and proceed and say, yeah, we have this hardship, but okay, what's the next goal that we're going to accomplish? What's the next task that, you know, we have to do? What's the next challenge we have to overcome? Just maintaining a positive attitude. And I know it's not easy, trust me. But if we let ourselves get weighed down by a negative narrative or by the challenges that we face, then you know, we won't get anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it's really hard to maintain that mindset, but it's so important to 100% hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, because the maritime industry is so small, there aren't a lot of options to see people who are like us doing what we're doing. And I remember I did an internship with the St. John's Pilots in Jacksonville. Florida. It was the first time I had seen Oh yeah. yeah, I yeah. That. It was the first time I had seen an African American tugboat operator. And I was like a captain. I was like floored. <laughs> because I had worked tugs before and I had sailed with Chevron and I had never seen another black officer. And wow. yeah. And you know, this was my junior year in school. I'd been in the industry for like, I don't know, a small, you know, three, three and a half years, small amount of time. But to see someone else finally doing what I was doing or who had been in the same position I was in was such like a relief. It's like, oh, that's so cool. Now I have someone, maybe not to compare myself, someone to look up to, right? And this tugboat captain had no idea the impact he made on me. Oh, it matters so much. That's a great story too. I appreciate you sharing everything that you've shared today, even the hard stuff. But to end it with this positive reminder on the importance of, hey, as a minority, going out there and doing your job, people are looking, especially those who look like you, who are considering this career path. It's like, yes, I can do this too. And, and I get that. I've seen 
some women on similar career paths as me, you know, I've said, I don't want to be the first right. for a lot of things, right? Right. I want someone else to go through those challenges of being the first. <laughs> I'll be like the second or third, right? And you'll support the first. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I'm a cheerleader, right? <laughs> and I want to learn from them because we don't want to always be the first. But yeah, there's going to be times in our industry where we're the first and you can't avoid that. But when you don't have to be the first, that's pretty nice too. And then you can see yourself more on this path of pursuing your career dreams, whatever that is. Absolutely. And admittedly, I've, you know, throughout my time at Cal Maritime, I've changed my mindset. You know, I want to be the first. I want to be that first openly transgender leader. You know, I want to be the first African-American XYZ. Like, that's what I want. <laughs> I want to do it Good. so that other people can follow me and see that, yes, we belong here. And you're right, representation matters. But there are its challenges with being the first of the first or even the second or the third. Oh, yeah, there's still challenges coming up behind that first. And yeah, no doubt about it there. And as a woman, I have some privilege that there have been other women who've come before me and blazed that trail. And, you know, for you, you are blazing that trail for your community in many ways. So thanks for what you're doing to forge ahead and create change in the industry. And again, for being that advocate, because really, that is not your responsibility right? And people probably put that on you too. They expect that, I imagine. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I have really enjoyed speaking with you today. You are incredible. Can you share anything else with us? Is there anything that maybe we've overlooked or anything more you want to share with our audience? Let me think. I think on a final note, you know, I just want to, first of all, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share my story and be, absolutely, yeah, be a part of the community of representation that we talk about, right? Because that is so important. I do wish I would have seen that more coming up. But yeah, on a final note, I just think that, you know, do what you want, right? This is your life. And we can't allow others to control what we can or can't do what we are or not capable of. Because anybody who's willing to put in the work and go the extra mile to apply themselves and be the best that they can be deserves to be successful and no matter what it is in the maritime industry career wise personally in life and school whatever it may be and you know if you're putting in the effort you deserve a seat at the table and you deserve to be recognized and you know don't let anybody downplay your achievements because of who you are and so i think you know just go for it if you have any doubt about it, just go for it, right? It's better to have been there and experience whatever it may be than to live and feel regret for not doing it because, well, maybe this might have happened or that might have happened. And so, you know, there's so many opportunities in the maritime industry, shore-based opportunities, sea-based opportunities. You know, you can work on any type of ship that you can possibly think of. And also, you know, don't give up if you come across hardships at the academy. You might not when you are working, you know, if one company doesn't work out, you know, go somewhere else, see what else there is to offer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to define your career, right? Absolutely. These barriers, these sometimes terrible situations, there are better companies, there are better vessels out there. So yeah, there's more opportunities. It doesn't define you. It doesn't define your career path. Like keep going, reach out to women offshore. Right? 
We have a lot of resources. It goes back to saying, very simple, you're not a tree. You can move. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're so right about that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared today. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Elijah. Thank you. And if anyone is out there listening who has questions about my story or just, you know, wants some advice about what it's like being in the industry, being a minority in the industry, you know, you are more than welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Ali, if you wouldn't mind putting my bio in the podcast description, that would be great. We will. We'll link to your LinkedIn so people can reach out. Great. Thank you very much, Ali. Thank you. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. What did you think of the show? Leave a rating and review an Apple podcast. Additionally, if you want to propel Women Offshore forward, please visit womenoffshore.org or womenoffshore.shop, make a donation, or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon.